0: The Rock and Podcast, Episode Number Fifty Seven. I'm your host, Dylan, and today we welcome a guest I'm very excited about. It's Cheap Trick drummer Dax Nielsen. Now, Dax paid his dues like anyone else by playing thousands of gigs, touring in vans across the country, and drumming for the likes of surf rock legend Dick Dale and Grammy winner Brandy Carlisle. Before back surgery forced Cheap Trick drummer Bunny Carlos to summons Dax to fill in for a few shows, and the rest, they say, is history. I met up with Dax before Cheap Trick performed a NASCAR race concert, and our conversation about his thousand gigs before Cheap Trick and his thousand gigs since went a little something like this. Uh, some stuff. yeah, yeah, like the weather. Yeah. It's
1: it's funny. I think it's going to be like mid-90s today. What time do you guys we, three 3.30. Oh, gosh. It's going to be like yeah. the peak. Yeah. The hottest. The sun. We're used to it.
0: And I've seen on your Instagram, <laughs> I think you did like one of the playoff games with the Cubs. It was 12 degrees. Yeah. Like, are those extremes? <laughs> like, are you just, you know, how do you prepare yourself for that?
1: Do you ever play with gloves? You don't. No. We actually did uh, New Year's Eve last year, so a year and a half ago, in Nashville. Outside, they were expecting 40,000 people, and it was 5 degrees. It was one of those rare... You well, know, not rare anymore, but the weather has changed. If you haven't noticed, and they, like, literally... It was 5 degrees, and there was probably... There was 5,000 people out there, which is crazy. Just, you know, and Keith Urban's after us. They're, out, they're standing outside in the 5-degree weather for 8 hours or whatever, you know? But no gloves, because... No gloves. Gloves no. are full of wimps. Yeah, and no them. tricks, like no <laughs> Bengay on the hands, or... Uh... <laughs> No, they actually had these giant industrial space heaters that were blowing across the stage, like right along the mic line. So when you're singing, you'd be comfortable, but then what they didn't think about is that you're standing back in the cold, and then you walk up to sing, and the heat hits your guitar, and it immediately sends everything out of tune. <laughs> so we were switching guitars mid-song, and it was, it was a night. It was the stupidest thing ever. What about a day like today? We have the reverse, where you guys have like the misters? <laughs> probably misters, or? probably fans, industrial strength air conditioners, and... I'll just go topless. And,
0: and what do you get, like a twenty-minute set or what, fifty set up? No, oh, wow. almost so is, it, an hour. is it after the? So is it pre
1: race? I think it's pre race. Yeah. Okay. Did you
0: guys fly in commercially, or because mm-hmm. I, I, I only ask because I know the the NASCAR folks are just private jets. Yeah, at the Yang Yang. No,
1: I mean we have a nine-person crew and four band, you know, four band guys, tour manager, blah blah blah. So right, right. We've done a, we've done our share of commercial or, or private, but. Right. Well, usually, when it's somebody else like NASCAR, foot in the bill because those it's <laughs> as nice as it is, it's it's silly to spend that none kind of money, money for like, and none, none of us live in the same cities either. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you? I'm from? in Rockford, Illinois okay. again. I did L.A. I did Nashville. I did the whole thing. Rick Rick is in in Rockford. Tom is in Nashville. Robins in Florida. Oh wow. Tour manager's on Long Island. You know, guitar tech from L.A. <laughs> New Orleans. You know, like everybody's. So there's like no way to like. Hey, let's all fly together and meet somewhere and then we'll take right, a private jet. Right. It's just, now, nah, it's just... So funny. you guys all roll in different times, different mm-hmm. itineraries? Okay. Yeah, same, uh, two of them won't, won't be, are probably the landing right now. Day of show guys versus night before guys. I'm a, I'm a night before person. Right. It's the band, you know, Cheap Trick always allows that. Some bands don't want to pay for two nights hotel rooms, but if anything goes wrong or if you're delayed or whatever... You yeah, know, I was say, especially with travel. All of a sudden you're like literally walking on stage from the car from the airport like barely making it and it's like you know delays happen. so yeah that's gonna be stressful
0: so i thought i would start things it's kind of like I'll, I'll i'll insert myself in the equation like my experience with cheap trick but um i think it's you know it's obvious there's like an ebb and flow with a career as long as cheap yeah. trick had and you were born Kind of at their peak, right? Yeah. I mean, right after Budokan, right after Dream Police. Mm-hmm. I mean, they...
1: they I, was born, I was born in August 1980, and I think Dream Police was released that year, later that year, I think, something like that. So, probably couldn't get any bigger no. in their history. Yeah. Well, actually, what had happened... I hate when people say. That, what happened was um, Budokan was such a success... They on accident, the- that Dream Fleece, they put it on the shelf for over a year. Oh, wow. It was recorded and everything, like, ready to go, but then they had the mega success, and then they'll just wait till Budokan runs its course, and then we'll put out a, a studio album. So that kind of, like, they were on a real tear. There were three four albums in two years, and yeah, yeah. Budokan, and also all of a like, I slow down, and it's like, I think that kind of affected a career in a way, too, for right. a few years, like, getting back and rolling into that, that songwriting and touring mode. Um, and I, I
0: found that I saw them in March of '86. Okay. In a club. Yeah. And even calling it a club was generous. It was more of like a bar. Okay. I'm trying to think it was probably 100, 200 capacity. Yeah. And they were coming off of, I forget the um but
1: they were kind of on the, you know, the right the ebb. Yes. At and which then, they've had four or five times in their career. Right. <laughs> bar band to stadium band to club band to stadium band to bar band to. You know, right Bar Mitzvah band, <laughs> to, which is know. interesting
0: that you know to kind of trace. And, and but I'm wondering then, then a couple of years later, Lack of luxury puts them mm-hmm. back on top. Yeah. Of so you're eight-ish, I guess. Seven, eight, eight yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Are you cognizant of anything at this point? Are you cognizant of the? I mean, you can't. You're not cognizant of the highs of right. of your birth, but <laughs> were there times that it was like, all right, we're going to go big vacation this yeah, year, yeah. or you know, you know, uh, Great Lake vacation?
1: Yeah, I don't. I didn't think about it too much. My dad was always gone. Like they we still Cheap Trick plays hundred shows a year at age seventy. You know, it's so when I, when I was born, thirty years, 30, almost forty years ago, they were. Playing 250 shows a year Right Back then you could You could like Do a residency in a city You'd sit, You know Set up in, in North Dakota And play five nights Oh really I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that I mean that's kind of more I mean this is when I, This is before I was born But like when they first You know 75 76 okay. they, were, they were playing Seven eight shows a week You know that must Sometimes be nice. Marquee And then a Or a matinee And then an evening show You know That wow. kind of stuff So I mean they've played I bet I'm Close to a thousand With the band and I bet they did five or six thousand before me. You yeah, that's crazy. One of the hardest working bands ever.
0: What? um I saw. I forget. I put you in LA, probably on a trip. But you were like eight years old. Okay. Like, how old? Like, when
1: did you start like seeing the band live or moving around? And I don't now? really remember. Like, my wife's always like, "You cannot. That can't be true." But I'm like, I don't remember a ton of my childhood. Mm-hmm. In some weird. I mean, I have spots here and there, but right. like, I think I always. Went to see the band as far as I, I know. As far as you can do. You learn. know, and, I, and summer times when I was in elementary school or maybe even middle school, I'd go on on the road, on the bus, it was what seemed like the whole summer, but if I really think about it, it was probably like five days, right. you yeah. know? Because <laughs> you're so young and it's like, oh my God. I, I'm looking back, I can't imagine the adults putting up with a kid for more than a week on yeah, the road, yeah. you know? Like everybody's got to hide their drugs or whatever, <laughs> you know? And I'm getting the impression that coming from Rockford,
0: Illinois, that it's it's always been kind of a working class yeah. attitude. Like, you know, again, there's there's ups and downs with the careers, and I don't want to get invasive about your you know your family mm-hmm. money, but you were probably raised mentally middle class, you, without doubt, or, or well, you know, actually it. middle class, Ex- <laughs> uh, probably, or maybe if you're in when a small I was first town, born, maybe upper
1: class, but then mid mid '80s maybe lower middle lower middle class right and then you know a yeah. big, yeah. big song hits and then they're back up to the top and you know I think that's what has kept them going for all these years is the Rockford Illinois mentality of you know if I were to act like a rock stars kid or if they were to like act like rock stars they'd probably get beat up or, you know like yeah. nobody would it's not what you do in the Midwest you know we don't live in the big city we live in where the band grew up so I still go out to you know the local restaurant and sit by myself and read and have a dinner and it's like you don't think about it and then lately I've noticed people going because now I've been in Jeep Trick for 10 years like that's the darn Cheap Jeep Trick you know I still think of I'm just Dax from Rockford elementary through high school there you know yeah and you have three siblings yeah two older brothers and a younger sister Okay, so yours. They were born in 73 and 75, which was, Cheap Trick started in 73, so they were both born before the band even was anything. And I was born right at the, the, the peak, and then my sister was born in 88, which I guess would have been another peak yeah, year. That's just so funny. <laughs> and so are you all musical? No, the two middle ones. Okay. My brother Miles and myself. Are they uh, full-time? Mm-hmm, Miles has a band, Miles Nielsen and the Rusted Hearts, and bar none, the best band in the Midwest, if not in the United States, in my opinion. He's working class, you know, he's playing every night he can and trying to catch a break at 40-something years old, you know. Right, oh, that's interesting. But, you know, he's kind of, I don't want to say Americana, but leaning towards that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's really, there's not an age range where you need to be to be successful, you know, because these guys, 50 years old, they finally get their big theater tours going, you know. Yeah.
0: Were your parents at all, I'm sure... Is it obvious that there's, you know, there's
1: guitars lying around? Right. You know, is there drums? Right. Is there piano? There were. Or, yeah. Uh, I took piano lessons for 12 years. There's always a piano in the house for two. Um, I never took drum lessons or guitar lessons, but they, there's always one on the couch. <laughs> you know, there's a drum set in the basement. So there was no pressure by any means to ever play, except for I, they put all of us in piano lessons. And I'm the only one that stuck it out through, through it. I, I finished high school right. right when I graduated high school but I never played piano until after high school like I hated it because they made me take right. lessons I loved just putting on my headphones and playing drums taught myself guitar playing you know watching TV just noodling around and eventually started. oh that's cool I learned that new chord you know piece it all together over the years yeah I, I wish I was forced to take piano I think it's just the, the basis keeps just it truly. to work with I think it left and right hands so you can play drums the foot pedals there's scales and theory and structure and all that mm-hmm. yeah if you could play piano, you could probably learn anything else. So, on the flip side of that, was there any did they try to dissuade you? Like, <laughs> yeah, I did really well in school. And somehow, I'm like the only one in my in my family that like got straight A's and got a scholarship to Indiana University, pre med, and all that stuff, and dropped out. <laughs> dropped out of college because I wanted to be a musician. How long? Two and a half years. Okay, and now you know I was like. I'm gonna be 31 when I become a doctor. That's just so old. I'm like now I'm 39. Going, I would have been a doctor for eight years. <laughs> but you know, I'm also the drummer in cheap trick for 10 years with you know other bands as well. And you make your little choices in life. So I would, I was dissuaded by my parents to not give up and maybe get a degree and then decide. But if I hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't end up where I am. So, were you at a band at the time that was kind of gelling? Yeah, my brother Miles you? and I had a band, and that's what that's what happens. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, that harmony, harmony, Riley. Riley yeah, and we were doing really well in the Midwest. We would sell out probably three times a year. The House of Blues in Chicago, which is two thousand seats or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, um, and it just seemed like we were picking up a lot of steam. And so I would go to school. I'd drive to Rockford's five hours. I would drive five hours on Sunday, do school Monday through Friday. Friday morning, go to the earliest class possible get in the car and drive five hours and get in a van and then drive and play gigs Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday drive five hours back. Literally, I was in Indiana, in Bloomington, uh, a total of four, two weekends. My it was the two okay. finals two. weekends. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, was that like a five-year run,
1: about? Yes, 97 to 2004, realistically. But, we, okay. yeah, we were Successful going unquote until '99 when I I graduated high school '98. Okay, so we couldn't go full time like touring and whatnot until. And you had two LPs, three EPs, according to that computer mm-hmm. website. Yeah, two L, two full lengths, a yeah. lot of shows that sound like you guys got on your belt. We, I mean, we learned or didn't learn from Cheap Trick, just like go out and do it, whether it's a hundred bucks or you know or you're. Selling out the House of Blues, whichever one. Were you guys
0: getting? I mean, over summer vacation, or something. Were you getting,
1: you know, down to the down south? Yeah, and we would do. Qu- I mean, we were young and dumb, like we would just drive to L.A. and play for hundred bucks. It cost us money, but none of us cared because you know nobody's married or anything like that. At the time, we're all young, completely DIY <laughs> at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have management or anybody? We had, had, had a manager
1: people? for a while, um, and he was he worked for Jam Productions, which was it's a big Chicago-based production company, promotion mm-hmm. company and he got us as as far as he could with his connections and his expertise but he was definitely a Chicago guy. And were you guys reticent to use the name at this time? We or? never did. Yeah. I mean we, we didn't say we didn't change our last names but it yeah. was never it's never used as a We weird cheap tricks kids or yeah. you know people the people Oh, that's cheap tricks kids. Like yeah, all four of those guys like <laughs> all four guys had us, Yeah. Uh what about recording your albums? Is that all Done on your own dime? Everything was, we, we never, uh, no, we had a fellow from Rockford, a, a rich guy, a good friend of ours, that he gave us like 20 grand once. It's nice. Did he recoup? He never recouped, <laughs> but we're still friends and he's, <laughs> he, he bought uh, Apple stock at 50 cents. Oh my God. He loved it. And he stores. bought like half a million dollars worth, so he's got a, a billion dollars. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, he's, he's doing okay. Yeah,
0: well, I can, uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe he's got another album for you. He's smart <laughs> enough to know, like,
1: losing 20 grand is a good thing, you know? Here, just take my money.
0: So what finally put an end to uh, Harmony Right? Seven years, never making it. You guys just got to the point where it's mm-hmm. like, was there a, a moment or, like, you know, coming back from the last tour where it's just like, I can't
1: do a cycle? Kind of, yeah. I mean, our, our guitar player at the time, his dad was a successful businessman. He would just... You know, browbeat his son about being a loser, that kind of right. thing. So he eventually's like, "Guys, I got to work for my dad." That kind, of, you know. I, my dad told me I need them. His dad actually told us that he was quitting the band. Like, oh, no, he no. didn't tell us himself. It was right, that kind of thing. Right. right. And then in our bass player, he was a r- real smart tech guy, and he he now he's a successful. He owns a I don't even know a, a company. Right. Right. That does something in computers, you know. That's always interesting to hear that, too. Yeah, my brother had gotten married.
0: Ducked out. And,
1: yeah. yeah, my brother had gotten married, and she was selling pharmaceuticals. And That's good. Business. So, yeah, but she didn't live in the burbs because that was her territory, so he moved. I mean, not far, but far enough where we couldn't just jam all the time anymore. So, it just, you know, we were, we knew we were going to be wildly successful, <laughs> so Right, seven years of that was... And you know, I'm still playing, and my brother's still playing. But we we knew that band had run its course. Right.
0: Did you always get along artistically with your brother?
1: No, we were we were, we were Oasis. We were the Kinks. You know, it was like we're, we're <laughs> great man. friends on and off. But like as soon as it, like we were the two leisure slugging, butting heads constantly. It's like as soon as, you know when we weren't working on music, hang out, go golfing, you know, go okay. to family dinners, but. God, we'd scream at each other. That's so
0: funny. What is that? So I guess I understand
1: it. We both wanted to get the same thing, but we—he's left-handed. I'm right-handed. He's, he's le- you know, he's the songwriter. I was more the arranger, I guess right. you would say. Like we worked together, but totally different thought processes, you know.
0: So after this went down, did you make a um, a
1: decision to go to LA at this yeah. point? Yeah. And I was 24 at the time, so 2004. I was born eighty. <laughs> I'm good at math. Okay. And, and yeah, yeah, just I, I was like, I'm too young. I, I want, I, I dropped out of college yeah. to be a musician, and I've never given, I'd always been in my own band. Yeah. I'd never given working for other people. And I knew you could make a living, if, you know, if you could find the connections.
0: Right. I've asked this question before. It's always interesting, but I think that people have come from even less when they go out to L.A. LA and they have, like, one phone number. and Because yeah. it, it's always interesting to me. I'm from upstate New York. And just the notion of, like, moving to L.A. when you're, what, you, I know you're a young 20s. So, you know, in my case, I, if I did that, it would have been 21, 22. I, would have, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. But I think you're in a spot and that. My question is, you're 24. You've probably made connections through touring and, you know, doing what you do. What, what are your first steps? What's the, you know, how do you yeah. get out there? Where are
1: you staying and what's your first phone uh, My best friend in the whole world had already lived out there. He moved out there in 2001. And he is he in this in the industry the film industry. Okay, he's actually won an Oscar and two Emmys now. Okay, That's my best friend. He was he was the singer in my first two bands. Grew up down the street from me. And he's got an Oscar and an Emmy, and yeah. So I'd, I'd kind of always followed him in middle school, and then I went to the same high school he went to. Just because that's where he went. He was a year older than me, so he already had a house with a couple guys. Um, I didn't have a ton of connection. I mean, I, I knew people, but not in the like in the LA industry I knew like midwestern bands Um, the gist of it is one night I got a phone call from this guitar player back in Rockford and he said hey I got the opening slot for Dick Dale surf guitar guy he's playing in Rockford do you and the bass player from Harmony Riley want to be my backing band this guy's a great guitar player of course yeah I'd never really that was my first hired gig and opened for Dick Dale and stuck around and met the bass player and the drummer and exchanged numbers and had some beers and whatnot. And six months later I moved to LA and the first person I called was Dusty Watson who's the drummer in the Dick drummer. Dale and he's like wow well, you called me and I said well yeah you gave me your number and he's like that was like seven months ago like I never heard from you you know because I, I actually I worked at US Bank I was a teller and a universal banker for a year to save money to move to LA because I didn't the band paid but not yeah. I needed a couple thousand dollars you know basically I like that that's a good yeah. good detail <laughs> I still out my card, you know.
0: Was there any place else you were applying at the time? Like, I'm going to apply to every bank and every house No, no my, my buddy
1: Danny, car. it's the same thing. A friend of mine worked at U.S. Bank. He's like, I love it, you know. we are 23, and, I, you know, money was okay, but it was enough to save some money. Yeah. But, you know, you work 7.30 to 4, and then you're done. You do whatever, you know. Yeah.
0: It's funny, there's another, uh, I think Dean Del Rey, do you know that Yeah, podcast? yeah, yeah. Uh, he says nothing, nothing like... Derails a musical career like a thirty thousand dollars job. Yeah, totally. Because it's like when you're that age, and oh, you're first tasting
1: it. it yeah, paycheck steadily. It's like eh. oh, it was crazy, but you know, the, I learned a lot about money by doing that because you'd see all these people to get their paycheck or, or their check on the first and cash it, and subsequently overdraft and overdraw and right. come in to me, the banker, and be like, I want that <laughs> fee removed, and it'd be the same people every month, and I'd be like, dude. Yeah, well, Put the money in the bank and don't go blow it. It's not like you don't, you don't go buy like just junk. This is you're, The government's giving you money to <laughs> feed your family and you're buying new things.
0: That's you know, funny. New that's, that's interesting that you took that lesson away firsthand, you know, seeing it. Yeah. You know. Well, and being
1: a, especially now a hired musician, you've got to budget yourself. Yeah. You really do. Cause but when I mean, did you learn that lesson? <laughs> Since I was a little kid. My, right. mo- my mom, she always worked. She worked at a local greenery greenhouse, whatever you call it, you know, mm-hmm. like literally shoveling mulch while my dad was on tour. Because, you know, even if it was a good year financially for them, right? next year might not be. So, she was always the kind of woman, still is, that like, if she wants something nice, she wants to buy it for herself. Yeah. Nice. she doesn't want to hear about it from Rick, you know. <laughs> so, I just kind of, that's the house I grew up in was, this year might be great, but next year's going to suck. And... You know, I'm a songwriter, but not one of note. Like, mm. So I've never, I've gotten, I've, you know, the occasional mailbox money, but realistically, I know I work and get paid for what I do. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned I wanted to give a shout out to a, another podcast that's called The
0: Hustle by uh, John Lamoureux. And he, he gave me that, you know, a couple episodes ago, his guests used that term mailbox money. Yeah. And it's funny because you posted <laughs> your check on Instagram. Oh, there geez. Was, it was uh, $29.41. Ooh, that was
1: a big one. <laughs> yeah, you know, occasionally I'll get a check for like $1,700 for stuff I did, you know, back in L.A. Mm-hmm. 15 years ago. And then sometimes you get a check for $24. Like, Hell yeah. And you open it up you're like, oh, geez. I mean, I literally have some checks for $0.60. Cents. It's like, why did you even send this to me? They have to do it. but It's funny. It's probably the, the paper's probably worth more than Yeah, the, the paper and the, the postage check. is more than what you're paying me. And then of course the union calls and go, hey, you owe us some dues <laughs> on that. Like, Here to take the whole thing, like whatever. So when you when you
0: were out in L. A., were you thinking kind of hired gun session work, or yes. were you thinking I want to I want to get a, in a band and own something? I mean
1: a little bit of both. Um, if if a band which did happen, if a band comes along where I could be a member and be a part of the process, yes.
0: Was that a fine friendship?
1: No, okay. what well, I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that was a band that started and. You know, I did all the most of the demos and did all the showcasing, flying back and forth in New York and LA. Understandably, the label signed the girl, the female, right. the songwriter. You know, and the two, the other two, me and the guy, the keyboard player, auxiliary guy, became hired dudes. Okay. Oh, like, we're not a band. Oh, I thought we were. But, you know, <laughs> another, Anyways, another lesson in the, yeah, in you the know, industry. Yeah, I mean, but looking back, why would they sign me? You know, I wasn't a primary songwriter, and she was the pretty girl. Yeah. And the songwriter, so. But how play.
0: well did you know, how, do, how well did you know each other?
1: Like, was That's the thing. I mean, being 25 or whatever I was, I just kind of butt hurt about it. But, you know, looking back, it made sense. It was her, she was already kind of establishing a thing and then brought me and okay. some other guys in. Right. But that, but it was treated from the, from the inside like we're a family and we're a band. Yeah. So, you know, looking back, they did the right thing, but at the same time, when you're young and you think, we're a band, you've told me we're a band, we're yeah. a band. When it was convenient, we were a band, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Did you take any lessons away from that? Like... Yeah. Put it in writing, or just... Yeah, uh, I, I went and played for Brandy Carlisle, I quit. <laughs> we, we went on tour uh, opening for Brandy Carlisle for a summer, and every night, Brandy and the twins, oh, we love your drumming, we love your drumming, you know, we love watching you play, and if you're ever available and I was like I'm available tomorrow and that's what happened and maybe I burned a bridge you know looking back I could have so you walked out basically Basically, I didn't like drop my sticks in the middle of a song but it was when the tour was done I kind of said hey guys I'm you know I didn't I'm not I'm not in the band you know this is your project and I've got to offer yeah so I mean, you finished a
0: tour. It wasn't like
1: you had, yeah, yeah, yeah. You oh, know. no I went back. Like I did a European run because the drummer that came in after me couldn't do a, a thing. So that was kind of an awkward ten days of like, hey, you quit the band, but you're we need you right now. So like, it, it was cordial, but it was definitely like, I can't believe you quit. And I'm like, well, I can't believe we're not a band. You know, what was had you been to
0: Europe prior? On? Uh, yeah, with Dick Dale. Okay.
1: I played for Dick Dale for three years and
0: surf guitars, and then he was. Did he get to? T- did he take you all around the world? Like look at that!
1: Europe, okay. States in Europe mostly. Um, got to see Norway and Finland and Scotland and oh, Sweden, Germany, and that, that's to this day. Like Cheap Trick really doesn't do a ton of Europe. We do right. the UK once a year, Japan once once every couple years. We did South America, but mainland Europe, I really haven't been back. Which are is you, such a shame? Are you still over the top in Japan? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. They they, they do well. Mm-hmm. They do as well as, as any. They, I mean, I think the, the peak of their success was the Boudicott era. But all those people are seventy now. Right, right? The people that were at that yeah. show, you got to you know you bring your kids. Yeah, which they do. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, three the big clubs. Mm-hmm. So what happens after uh, Brandy? Are you are you Brandy? Now she's a super, like, she's a yeah. mega star. And, like, for the last eight years, ten years, I mean, yeah, geez, ten years ago, oh, you played for the girl in the, in the Go-Go's. I'm like, no, that's Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> Gosh, gotcha, I mean, oh, no, I'm, like, I'm like, no, this, this, this girl, she's a great singer-songwriter, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, like, a year ago, people were like, holy, you played for Brandy Carlisle? I'm like, yes, I've been telling people this for ten years. And, <laughs> and recently Dick Dale died, and so everybody's was like, oh, my God, you played for him. I'm like... So suddenly my resume got a lot better, like so, in the last that's, year. That's so funny. You know, so I'm, I'm happy for Brandy. Like, I knew, that I knew they would be big. Yeah. It's her and the, the, these two identical twins that, they're just amazing. And that
0: was the nucleus even 10 years ago? Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. The, they're, they're one person. Like, the three of them are, ty- like, they're they're triplets, basically. I think I came on to her with uh, the story. Yeah, that, that was the, the tour I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Did you, did you record with her? No, that was Matt Chamberlain
0: oh the I mean, one and only it's so funny because that I mean that's a monster drum part on okay. that title track yeah
1: that's oh he's top five for me wow I did not know that. So, well you know in a lot of I, I get that asked that like, who are your top five drummers of course there's the Ringo at the bottom but like for what I do it's Steve Gadd and Matt Chamberlain and you know Josh Freeze like yeah, yeah. the dudes that do what I do yeah well, they do it much better but they're not John Bonham from Led Zeppelin they're the Josh Freese that played on eight thousand albums, yeah, you yeah. know, like I, I, I got, it. you I know, like, I'd like to get him on this podcast someday. Yeah, I'd love I've I'd never met him. We know of each other, but he's i have never met him. I'd love to pick a guy like that brain. Like yeah. it's funny. It, It's—I follow him
0: on Instagram. I no, follow you best. on Instagram. So one of your posts, I noticed, it shows like. Josh
1: liked your post yeah I know <laughs> trust me I would trust I think a yeah. screenshot of that and framed it and-
0: but that's funny in the future that's a good question because I you know I think a lot of times podcasts will ask what are your your influences but like what are your you know your top three give me four four five and six are probably much more interesting and much more right out of the blue than your Neil Less, Pertz and right. John yeah Adams of course and Ringo's so anyways after
1: Brandy uh, did you do a sit-in-the-pumpkin It uh, I, I recorded with Billy. Okay. Um, I think he recorded, like, 90 songs for that subsequent album, so my, my stuff got lost. But, yeah, that was great. I was at dinner with some friends, and Billy Corgan called and said, Hey, I want you to record on my new album. Like, wait, what? <laughs> and, you know, like I said, nothing ever came of it, but he wrote a nice little piece about recording the album. and said, you know, Dax Nielsen came in and did a great job, so... It was great. That's cool. Yeah. Another uh, Midwesterner. Wow. Yeah, he's a Chicago guy. Do you guys tend to, you know, look after your own? I think so, you know, to a certain extent. I think so. LA yeah. Or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Cause he's, I mean, Todd Zuckerman, last night, mm-hmm. I went and saw sticks. And he's a, he's, he's born in Southside, Chicago. And he we talk about, if we talk about Italian beef, where's your favorite Italian beef place in, in the city? And there's, oh, Skokie. Actually, get outside the city a bit. That's where the, the real one is, you know.
0: So let's, um, you know, let's get to Cheap Trick. And the first question, mm-hmm. I, I, there was a... Um, it's funny, I can't remember if this is from your website or not, but you you described it as you were preparing to leave for
1: a show in Germany. A tour. Mm-hmm. With who? Uh, a, guy, a guy named Corey Chisel. Okay, I've seen that. He's, was a, he was great. Great singer-songwriter. Another one of those people that just never kind of... He, sh- he should be better known. He has a great, great, great voice and great songwriter. And just, you know, somehow these people get... Push to you know don't yeah. don't get the attention that half the you know whatever DJ Khaled or like somehow that guy's a billionaire <laughs> but you know yeah it's
0: so, it's so funny how he blew up Twitter this week and people are like what does he do again yeah, who or, right the, or I what, know what he doesn't do
1: yeah right <laughs> um, yeah I was actually it's a funny story I'm at dinner with my girlfriend who's not my wife and then sitting across from my parents you know dinner before I leave for Germany or for Europe. Which is, that, that pisses me off now that I think about it. I was about to do Europe. <laughs> but, yeah, my phone rang, and it was the Cheap Trick's manager at the time. And Rick, my dad, said, you should probably answer that, you know. But we'd already, had, appetizers are done. We're just, <laughs> just shooting the breeze, you know. But that's the one thing that all, kind of goes along with the blue-collar mentality. It's like he has, since day one, stayed out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't want to be like, well, your son blew it, or your son is a jerk, or yeah, your yeah. son whatever. So, like, he let the other guys make the decisions and say, you know, yeah, let's give Dax a shot or whatever. So, um, yeah.
0: How did it even, did it ever come up in the first place? Did you ever plant a seed and say, hey, some dad like to No, i, did I never. He ever say you should well, prepare yourself? In, no,
1: mean, in, in 2001, Harmony Riley, my band, we opened up at Chief Direct probably 100 shows or something like that. And, the drummer bunny had had some back problems mm-hmm. and one night he was like hey can you do the encore tonight I'm like, what sure you know i've always been too stupid to say no i'm not prepared but so that night i did the encore and the next night and the next night and the next night and then one night he goes i'm flying home to have back surgery tomorrow oh my gosh you're doing the rest of the tour oh that's great so i was doing the opening act and then change clothes and then do a full 90 minute cheap trick set it's a good thing you were young yeah. So I've kind of like always jumped into the fire with those guys whenever they needed me. I was working at U.S. Bank, and I got a phone call at 4 in the morning. And it was the tour manager saying, hey, uh, Bunny's falling ill. Can you fly to Boise t- tomorrow and fill in? I'm like, sure. Let me talk to my manager. You know, I got I to go work in a little bit. And she called back, like, an hour later, like, well, what's up? I'm like, yeah, tomorrow, like, I'll, you know, for me, it was already 4 in the morning. Like, I'm getting up at 5 to go to work. Tomorrow, to me, meant the next day, but they were in Seattle. It was 2 a.m. for them. So, like, she needed an answer. She they could book a ticket and get me there. So, anyways, that's it's pretty much how it's been with my career with Jeep Tricks. No warning. And it's like, don't, hey, you can see the number, <laughs> and it's like, don't, don't answer. No. <laughs> So no, I never, I, they'd been a band since 1973, and it's always, basically always been the same four guys, and it was never a thought in my brain. I never, I didn't like sit downstairs and practice Cheap Trick songs ever. You right. Know, I was, it wasn't, I didn't, it never crossed my mind that it wouldn't always be those those guys. Mm-hmm. So. so did you have to bail on the tour? I did. I paid a, a, a change fee. I called my friend Darren, who had drummed for Corey, in, you know, previously, and say, hey, you, wanna, you it want like to. Was that a stressful time, to, time though? Like, Yeah, I mean, because I've always been one, I've never wanted to let anybody down in my life, yeah. you know, just my personality. So, like, I really felt terrible that I was ditching this guy that had, you know, he was paying me to play in his band. But I, I made a few phone calls and all my friends were like, dude, even if it's one, Cheap pricks show, go. Right. So, and it was Austin City Limits. Oh, that's cool. Filmed, you know, oh, millions geez. of people. <laughs> oh my God. I had 48 hours notice. Talk about pressure. Yeah, I actually I went downstairs and like they gave me a, a bunch of current set lists and I just like played for two days straight and flew to Austin. and Nine and a half years later, here we are. That's when I got to look that up. It's probably so it's great. Actually, I'm not great, but I mean I've watched it a few times. I definitely look young and green, and you know I didn't have any stage tw- clothes. Rick, Rick was like, "Where's your stage clothes?" I'm like. Oh, yeah two days ago I didn't have the, this gig like, what are you, I didn't have stage clothes you know like what are you talking about lost, I lost my tie from work yeah I... <laughs> my name tag but yeah so I'm not it was one of those are you ready like sure yeah and literally my first two gigs were Austin City Limits filmed at the, at the old Austin City like with the original stage and then the next night was South by Southwest outside for like 25,000 people oh my gosh so then, you know,
0: but I'm getting the sense too. I mean, you 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 did your ten thousand hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not like they were giving you a break, but you had the chops to make the break.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I mean, Rick has always said, and, and the other guys in the band as well. Like, we didn't hire him because he's Rick's kid. Yeah. We hired him because he was the right guy. Yeah, he knew the music. He grew up. We know him. You know, it was like he's been in a van for. <laughs> 500,000 miles, you know, it's it's screw the hours. It's how many miles have you driven in a van with five dudes (laughs) peeing in milk jugs? (laughs) Because you don't want to stop on the way to LA.
0: Up until that point, were you in a situation that, you know, was a bus or something, you know, where the accommodations weren't Mm -hmm. as
1: slugging it out? No, I mean, for Corey Chisel, I was the highest paid guy because I was was in LA at the time Mm -hmm. and he would like fly me, I think he paid me 500 a week, you know. (laughs) I make a little more than that now but you know no I would never really no I would never made I never had a, good, a, a bus of my own
0: and out in LA were you holding down another a second job ever
1: yes that's I kind of skipped that um, my current drum tech for the last five or six years is a guy named Todd Trent and he was the A&R guy for Ludwig Drums for 30 years he was Ringo's Ringo would call him when he needed something oh wow you, know, you name him Todd was their liaison, and Alex Van Halen, and all these guys, but I've known him since 88. He did, he was, Bunny was, is, and was a Ludwig artist as well, and Todd brought the drum set to the Flame video shoot, and that's where I met him. So I was eight years old when I met my trunk. and we, you know, he's been my mentor, friend ever since, and, you know, he signed me to Ludwig in 99 when I was just out of high school, you know, playing in Harmony Riley. Not big, but he gave me a shot, and mm-hmm. I've been with Ludwig for Thirty years now, or no, twenty years now. Has anybody tried to breach that? Has a couple, yeah. But the, the thing about drum companies aren't—they don't do what they. they there's no they, nobody pays you money. You know, you're know, not. Like, Here's yeah. a ten grand check, and you get four free drum sets a year. It's like,
0: no. And you know, has anybody done anything? You know, like send you a kit and be like,
1: try to de- mm-hmm. try to deny the sound. They of the sound. have, and I've taken them and have to send them back and I've realized that's a pain in the ass and I'm you know (laughs) I'm a Ludwig guy if they drop me tomorrow I will still play Ludwigs it's what Ringo played it's what Bunny played it's what John Bonham played it's what Neil Peart you name Mm -hmm. the greatest drummers of all time like why would you play anything else yeah (laughs) so um, I called Todd and said hey I'm going to move to LA he goes that's it's a good call it's a good choice you know your band is no longer and you want to keep doing this so I said what do I do he goes get a job He goes, you're not going to, no offense, but but chances are you're not going to work steadily for at least six months. So he called a place called Center Staging, which is kind of like SIR. Okay. Backline rental slash uh, rehearsal 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 spaces. And he he called in a favor to the drum department and said, hey, my friend's coming out. Can you give him a job? I worked for probably a year tuning heads and polishing poles. <laughs> Did it give you a valuable experience? Like, yeah, yeah. You I got to, were I, you a good drum tuner at the time? <laughs> I, got, I got to be, I got to be. I, I could tune my own drums, but like, to the way I liked them sound, then I'd have to tune for R&B guys, or for heavy metal dudes, or for 311, you know, like Piccolo's snare. Um, and, you know, but through that, I, you know, Abe Laboreal Jr. came hanging out one day, Paul McCartney's drummer, and John Theodore, I remember, came in, who's... Mars Volta but now he's with Queens of Stone Age and a bunch of other people mm-hmm. and it's like I got to meet some dudes and go like hi I'm Dax and I want to be you one day you know and I've since I have Abe's phone number you know it's like hey you remember you, that you did a drum clinic at center stage and yeah I was like I was the one that set up your drums I know like, shit <laughs> and now you're playing for cheap track you know so that's very cool I wasn't jaded by any means but it it definitely sucked setting up kits for other people when I was like I want to do that so I think that really inspired me to, to work hard and make connections
0: and I makes you a, a good boss to your own drum tech definitely that you don't take it for granted
1: yeah I mean the fact that I have a drum tech in the first place is <laughs> you know I didn't for Brandy I didn't for Dick Dale Cheap <laughs> Trick's my I've only had one job where I've really had a drum tech in my life so it's appreciated yeah. but not necessary for me you know like i do you feel bad? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, especially because it's, you know... But you have, a, you have a good setup. You have one of the most basic setups. Oh, it's just four-piece, yeah. I mean, I could probably oh, get rid of... I've got three cymbals. I've got two crashes and a ride. That's awesome. I could probably get rid of one of those crashes, you know? <laughs> That's so funny. You just don't see that anymore. No, I mean... You I don't, don't
0: see that in any pop,
1: rock... You know, I know I know sk- kids have scaled down since the... Kind of. I and mean, then you look like country, and every country drummer has an auxiliary snare now. It's like, mm-hmm. every you have to have an, and some wacky cymbals. I'm like... Okay, yeah. <laughs> I could do that, I suppose, but <laughs> I'm still I'm somewhat of a hard worker, but I'm also fairly lazy. So like I don't I'm still in the mentality that I might have to set this up sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't want a seven piece. I mean, that's the hardest. <laughs> the hardest part of
0: being a drummer is the damn uh, the worst. Holy Shit. It's good.
1: It's good exercise, but <laughs> besides that, I mean, I, like I don't mind doing it, and I I would do it again, but. It sure is nice just walking up and it's already there, set up and yeah. perfectly tuned. And like, my job is to play a show, not anything
0: else. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, I don't know if you can answer this or get into this, but I'm I'm curious about a couple of the things. I in my notes, I have you guys were signed to Big Machine. Mm-hmm. Are you currently with them?
1: I don't think so. Okay. Um, we did three albums in the last two years with with Big Machine, and okay, yeah. I'm not part of that. Um, that's the the, the three principal members. Right. But I think it was a three-album deal, and I think we fulfilled Fulfilled that obligation. Did they... Are you privy
0: to... Did they have a... It seems like an odd pairing. I mean, Big Machine, I think, anybody who's on the periphery is like, oh, that's Taylor Swift. Right. And I know Mm -hmm. it's... I I don't want to say it's like, oh, they're a country outfit, but my question, what I'm curious about is, what was their business strategy
1: with you guys? Do you know what they... It was was exactly what it turned out to be. It was Scott Borchetta, who is he is the big machine label discovered Taylor Swift and has done really well. He's a lifelong cheap trick fan. He said, I want you guys to be back on top and I'm going to make this happen because he wasn't in it to make money. Right. You know, cause Lord knows there's no, you know, no money in album sales these days. He's like, but I want you guys in the rock and roll of fame. I want you guys to put out two albums a year like you used to do. And that's what he, that's what he set out to do. And that's what we did. Okay. So, you know, I think it was, it was kind of a, I mean, I am only speaking from my observations, but kind of right. like a pet project for him. Like mm-hmm. this is my favorite band and they need to be signed to a label that loves them and will put out their albums. I mean it sounds like an offer you can't refuse too. You want somebody, especially at that
0: point of your career. Right. Um, was he instrumental in getting the conversation Hall of Fame? I think so.
1: Conversation I think, started? I think so. I think he's got a lot of clout and a lot of power and I think I think Cheap Trick was eligible for like fifteen years. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and then twenty five years after
1: your first, their name recording. get on the bailout, and they were first, you know, first first time that they were on the list, they got in. You know, it's like, yeah.
0: And at the time, was that what was considered? Was it a three sixty deal? Was there, you know, did they want to handle?
1: I couldn't tell do? you. Okay, I'm not privy to that. kind of, You know, I'm not. I don't stick in my nose where it's not right, right. needed. So like, I'm not signed to the label, so I, I don't want to know what the, the details are, kind right. of thing. I mean, I. I I do like to know, mm-hmm. just so I can be, you know, educated and what's, what's happening. But yeah. No, I've, I've,
0: Would I'm... Have, okay, you might not be able to answer this, but I, and I'll, I'll ask... These will be <laughs> probably misinformed, terrible questions, but in terms of Cheap Trick mm-hmm. as a entity, mm-hmm. if it's an incorporated, you know, thing... It's an LLC, I want to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's, um, do you guys have a year-round staff? I mean, you have so many assets, whether it's, you know, a catalog, publishing. You know, your dad was on that picker show. Right. He's got a warehouse full of right. stuff. Right, uh, yeah, Like, is there an infrastructure that's, you know, paid employees handling this stuff? Or,
1: you know, how does... Not like Rick's personal stuff. That's just his. And, okay. You know, he's got one of those brains that can, he remembers where he kept a set list from 1974. <laughs> that's well, that's in the third box down from the left. Like He's a guitar collector, like, famously... And just a, a collector of things. It's, yeah. he, if it wasn't worth money, you can maybe say he was a hoarder, but <laughs> the stuff is actually worth something, so like, okay, he's a collector. Is there any grand
0: plan for it? I know that you guys, too to a certain extent, that, yeah. you guys had a, did you guys have a show in a museum? In yeah. Mm-hmm. Was
1: that a permanent at, installation? It was for, God, at least six months, maybe a year, but the thing yeah. that I didn't know until then is that museums book out years ahead of time. Right. And it was super successful, but they already had something else coming in. Right. And so when they when that happened, it's like you can't just go find another museum. You have to like so I think yeah. you know, it's all ready to, it's in a warehouse somewhere with all the displays and everything's ready to ride. Ready to roll. You gotta find somebody that wants to to yeah put it on. Somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, but that Apple stock guy. <laughs> wouldn't that have been nice? That's always I say, you know, when I, I moved I left LA in two thousand and ten. No, nine and I was like I'm going to move to Nashville because that again to be in the epicenter of yeah you know and I I think I realized I wasn't working a ton in LA like Brandy was from Seattle and Dick Dale was from Palm Springs and Corey Chisel was from Wisconsin like none of my gigs (laughs) are out of LA and I'm spending a fortune to live with three other guys you know yeah. and I was like I think Nashville is going to be a thing soon and it, it turned out to be but like I say if I could have bought a house when I lived there, I could have tripled my money. But I, had, I literally had no money, so, like, I couldn't buy a house. Yeah. But if I had bought a house in 2009, when I moved there, I could probably have tripled my investment. If I could have bought Apple stock, but I had no, you know, who would have known? <laughs> Exactly. So. Well,
0: that's a good segue into, I was going to, my next kind of line of questioning, which is, um, you know, outside the industry stuff. I mean, it's not outside the industry, but, like, first, first on my list is, uh, the Undefeated mm-hmm. Soundtrack yep. Was that your buddy You were mentioning yep. earlier He won the Oscar He won an Oscar he won yeah, he
1: won an ah, yep. Yep. Back in 2012 Yeah And you co- co-wrote And played the score In mm-hmm. the film Yeah it was kind of funny Like It was about An inner city football team That had never won In the hundred years And that was in Tennessee Right uh, Yeah Memphis Go. And so my friend Dan Lindsay He made this movie But What you do When you're making a movie Is you put A Black Keys song <laughs> That that fits the mood, and then you put like a, a Zeppelin song, blah blah blah, and then when it comes time to actually make the music, you go here, like write songs in this vein, because yeah. we're not going to license all this stuff. So like, what happened? Like you know, I'd go in, and this is the, this is the vibe, and I'd, I'd come up with some drum because it was like all about drum line too. So like, do some drum beats, and then we wrote the music around the drums because like it, it was all about the, the tempo and the pacing mm-hmm. of those scenes. So it was kind of cool to start. It wasn't the songs that started; it was, it was the, the the feel and the rhythm, and then you write the music over there And it was all instrumental, just because it was the padding for the okay. for the for the movie. So, do you get a do you get a trophy for that? I do not. <laughs> I'm Sure, would that would be pretty cool.
0: Actually, I want to take it one step back the whole, the whole Hall of Fame thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that was you know well well publicized, and you know, uh, Bunny came and, and played the set, yeah. and you were you went right. Yeah is it true that they? I mean, everyone gets like the base of the band gets the
1: tickets, but every other ticket is like ten. They, band, they, yeah, they had to pay for me to be there. I think it was ten thousand dollars. Holy shit, that's so. Crazy. They're like he's in the band, and they go, well, he's not getting inducted. You know, it's ridiculous. Crazy. I mean, that was that a fun day? I mean, it was great because I've said you know numerous times like I got to watch Cheap Trick again, which I never you know I got to watch them from the crowd, right. And not be fired. Like I, I didn't lose my job, so I could see them. Like I, I knew I was coming back. It was just one night, so it was kind of. I got to see the four of them play together again. It was cool. Did they have to pay for the spouses? I think I think you get a plus one. Plus Every, one. I think your wife can come. <laughs> was that like so four plus one of the? My, my dad has four kids, and I was the only one that was there. Holy shit! Because none of us could of afford ten grand a piece, just to go for a, you know an hour and a half it's so crazy it's, what, uh, I mean it's really sad yeah, I feel bad yeah. for my siblings but you know because I got to go do the circumstances of me being in yeah. Chief trick like I got to see that my dad get inducted in the rock and roll off, and they didn't did they come to New York City I mean was there an after party or, no, or any no. sort of pomp and circumstance no they don't no, there's nothing they like they do, that? To do whatever you want you know?
0: god I'm surprised like, even you know even the hotel bar
1: <laughs> yeah I think wasn't it uh, Steve Miller that year he went on a big old rant Said, said some things yeah. yeah And maybe that's how I even knew in the first place So okay I'm sorry I did backtrack So no, when I no, feed
0: into is a, a mm-hmm. good success Is that Are you getting, It sounds like That was a very positive experience
1: Yeah Are you rolling that Into more film and TV work I'd like to But you know I think Those were the things Like I don't know How you even That wasn't From day one We're going to make An Oscar winning movie It was my buddy Was making a movie And yeah. he needed some music You know I think I didn't get hired By a director Mm-hmm. You know, it was my friend. Like, hey, I want to give you a shot first before we hire somebody out there. So, I mean, I'll Find Frenzy, the band that I was in, that that came through Dan Lindsay because his first documentary, this guy, Hal Cragen, who was bass, Iggy Pop's bass player for years, and he did the score for Dan's first documentary. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved to L.A., Dan's like, you got to meet Hal. And Hal was the producer on a Find Frenzy. Okay. So, like, just little connections okay. like that, you know, a friend of a friend, hey, you want to come in and be a part of this, this girl that we're developing. Yeah, cool, you know. Right. But with the exposure of
0: Undefeated, were, you get, were, were people pursuing you? Were you getting calls? I didn't get any phone calls. That's funny.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, think people... Plenty, even, <laughs> I don't know. I, it'd be cool. I guess, you know, certain things you look back in life and maybe I could have pursued, like, I could have promoted it more. Right, right, and, right,
0: But if you wanted it, if you wanted it more, you could have pushed yeah. it more.
1: I mean, I, I don't know that, that that's something I'd necessarily, like... It could be great to do full-time, I suppose, but am not sure. Okay. Um, probably be 70 and go, damn it, why didn't I pursue this or that? You know, well, <laughs> 70, who cares?
0: Do you Are you in any other businesses? Like, are you in, does your wife have a salon? We own a hair salon.
1: hmm Okay. A successful hair salon in Rockford, Illinois. Um, How long has that been in business? Nine, eight, 10 years probably. Okay. Since we were dating. I mean, we were one of those, like, we got, we opened a business, bought a house, blah, 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 before we even got married. Like, we knew we were going to get married, and so it was one of those things, like...
0: Just make it official.
1: Yeah. And, you know, she's a hard worker now. Mother of two now. Yeah. I, two adorable kids. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'd, somehow. I married a good-looking woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've got some investments, which I, I, I won't say, but, yeah, I've, I've taken some of my my earnings and... with the Talks with my life coach Michael, and my wife. Talked to my life coach, and we decided how much... We're willing to lose because mm-hmm. there's a good chance that you're not going to see a return on your investment. But I've only picked things that I really think are going to be successful. Yeah, not that I'll be a billionaire, but I, you know I could triple my money hopefully. Yeah, hopefully and I'm yeah. not putting hundreds of thousands. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands. You know.
0: Yeah, and you got two small kids that you know somebody mm-hmm.
1: thinking college if they don't get into music. Uh, my, no, we've talked about that quite a bit. You know, my wife went to trade school. We both oh. went to university, but never graduated. Right, and you know I think. A little overrated, you know. I'm, going back to me, I don't want to be a doctor. I'm at Thirty, I'm at 31 years old. I'll be old, you know, 10 years later. But <laughs> you know, I look. I look at a lot of my friends that have degrees, and they make what I make, and they're in debt. Yeah. You know, yeah. I went to the school of hard knocks, and she went to trade school for hair, and college isn't necessarily the way to go. Yeah. No, and who knows where it's going to be? My kids are three and one and a half. So like in 15 <laughs> years, when my son graduates high school. Hopefully. But it'll be You know, yeah, it'll be free. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, there's no pressure. I mean, hopefully they do well in school, and hopefully they have a career path that they know what they want to do, yeah. and then we'll support them, hopefully, that way.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, like I said, that's down the road. Yeah, that's cool. um, That's the thing about kids. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have kids? Yeah. You, it's It goes fast, but it goes really slow. You have nine months to prepare to have the kid, and then the first six months, they're just laying around sleeping. You know, you have to feed them and change them, and then... I start walking. You know, it's like it, it, it's it's it, nature has given us enough time. I think to like figure out the next steps. Yeah, so I've got 15 years to think about college. You know, um, you have a travel blog on your I, yeah I do. I you started a year ago. I started a year ago, and you have two posts, uh, two or three. Like I like tacos a lot. And it's just it's, it's become it's become my like internet persona that I love tacos, and it's like. You can only write so many blogs about tacos. Like, <laughs> I tried to branch out and do like a Mongolian barbecue place that I love in Kansas City, or, but it always comes back to those damn tacos. And, <laughs> that's so funny. But you know, but I, I, wasn't, I tried. to... My wife said, like, "You got to keep keep at it, keep at it." But it was one of those things. Like, I'm not getting a ton of traction. Like, right? Fifteen. I've got eighteen thousand. I think followers on Instagram, and I get like a hundred views on my blog. I'm like, is this worth like? The painstaking process of writing and and posting and pub and promoting maybe it would be eventually, but
0: well, I was curious if you did see like a bigger picture if it if it did catch on, you know, would you be interested in you know the Food Channel wants to do a thirty yeah, minute
1: show that with would be great. And, I mean, do you ever pitch stuff like this or you know it's never? I need you need to manage me. <laughs> You're an idea guy, you know. Yeah, I should I should have looked after. Scoring more movies <laughs> Yeah, I, I would love that I mean, because that's what I do I travel anyways And right. I love to eat anyways So yeah, I mean if, if somebody approached me I would definitely I think I'm a likable guy mm-hmm. People maybe watch me For a few episodes
0: Oh yeah What, um Okay, Seth Myers.
1: Yes Is this like a
0: week-long thing? Yeah, well
1: Monday through Thursday They don't take Friday's a rerun But four, four episodes Fred Armisen is the house drummer The yeah. comedian, actor and he travels a lot and, and films a lot. So when he's not there, they had the idea to just bring in some, you know, "quote unquote" celebrity drummers for the week mm-hmm. to be the house drummer. And it was such a great opportunity. I went to NAMM two years ago, two, two summer, two Januarys ago, and I met the. I was talking to Nico McBrain from uh, Iron, Iron Maiden. Yeah, <laughs> great guy, like the nicest guy on the planet, and. Eric Lederman came up and he's the guy that he's the and the talent booker for, okay. for uh, and I think he's the producer for Seth Meyers. And Nick was like, You gotta meet my friend X. He goes, You're on my list already. And I thought he was kidding, but he, I was already on his radar. And it took a lot of back and forth and me kind of, Hey, don't forget. And he's like, No, no. It's like, I have got a long list. So, you know, you're on a long list. But I kept at it and kept reconnecting. Hey, I'm available this two week block or this. And it, They don't book it until the week before. Okay. Like, that's how they do it, you know? So, like, I literally got a a phone call or an email from Eric saying, Hey, how's next Monday through, like, two weeks from now? Like, I'm available. Cool. Book it, you know? Like, I had about, you know, two weeks notice. And how did they, did they give you, uh, you know, did they put you in... in, in
0: in touch with the MD and then he give you a uh-huh. song list? Uh-huh, or- Eli's
1: okay. M- no, it, uh No, what happens with them, it's really unique, is the day of the show, you show up at, like, one or two o'clock and they have a, a rehearsal room for the band, electronic drums and small amps, and you write the music that day for the show that night. It's all mm-hmm. instrumental, so, like, you know, if anybody has a, a part, mm-hmm. hey, let's just riff on that for a while. Okay, now we need a, a B section, like a, a second part. Come over that. Cool, there it is. And then... You run it once, he records it on Pro Tools, and you do five of those, and then during the show, like, he'll hit hit play in your ears, this is how this one goes that we wrote today, you know, like, and you you have notes, and they, they, it was great, you you write the music with the band, like, so, I actually got a a publishing check for, you know, my four days. Yeah, I heard that's, is that a well-paying gig?
0: I mean, like, just straight out, do they give you a flat, you know? Career, uh, no, it's, career, it's, it's, career it's an uh, offer for the four It's a union days. rate. It's a, okay.
1: yeah, you a daily SAG after a rate or whatever it would be. It's, you know, union, you know, time and a half or whatever it was. Right. You know. So, no, it's not, it doesn't pay great, but it's, you're on national television. Your name's yes, part could of that list of true. drummers that were there. Yeah. I mean, um, I think most drummers would do that for free. Because of, because of what it is. You know?
0: Yeah. No, it's funny. It's funny to see who's been on it. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool. Yeah,
1: the, 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 they have like a professional photographer that takes headshots the second to last day, and so every drummer has a headshot on the lawn, And so I'm looking like there's jo-, you know there's there's the dudes there's Vinny Galuda there's Josh Freeze there's Abe you know I'm like holy I'm part of this group you know Did you have any guests that you were interested to not that week or- no unfortunately. Because the, 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 the backstage is basically, like, there's, like, five dressing rooms, but it's one massive green room, kind of, like, everybody has their own room, but everybody congregates in the middle. There's a lot of people I didn't really know. Okay. Yeah, he's somewhat political, mm-hmm. if, you, if you haven't noticed. Yeah, yeah. So he had a lot of, you know, like, a lot of... Like, Washington Post journalists? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, this is cool. But at the same time, you're on in-ears, and you're listening to the MDs talking to you, like, while the interview's going on, you're... Checking your notes, like I, you're, maybe if I did it again, I'd be—I wasn't nervous, but I was definitely hyper, like aware. So I wasn't even—I couldn't even tell you what they were talking about. You know? <laughs> do you read? Do you read music? I do. In terms of yeah, programs? I mean, I, yeah, I do, but I'm, I'm rusty. Yeah. N- most sessions, unless you're doing like film score, like like actual orchestra, you know, movie soundtracks, you can get by. Nothing's written down. Yeah. Maybe there's a chord chart. A couple of notes that you have to, like, make your notes. Mm-hmm. But no, nobody ever... That I, In my experience, nobody hands you a, a drum sheet music and says, here, here you go, let's play. Okay. But I could.
0: One last question before we get into the rapid-fire final <laughs> five. I like it. <laughs> uh, and this is probably a question that only, I only ask for Rockonomics, but uh, healthcare, are you, mm-hmm. you have, are you covered through
1: the union? I'm covered through Cheap Trick. Okay. I wasn't for the first four or five years. But in lieu of a raise, I, I asked for healthcare because I have a family. And right. They were nice enough because that's that's better than a raise. Yeah, yeah. to say it. Healthcare think. is it's unbelievable. I mean, even with pretty good healthcare, it's you know it's, it's expensive. expensive. Yeah, especially with the young ones. Whew. Young ones and pets. Young ones and <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Right. <laughs> we don't have any pets right now. If she wants a dog. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Like we're, <laughs> we're changing diapers all day long. Like, you want one more thing to feed and, cl- and clean? <laughs>
0: I'm a drummer, damn it. All right. The final five is the five questions that all my guests get. First question is, hypothetically, mm-hmm. if your house is on fire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All your level ones are safe. Mm-hmm. What do you run back and get that's music-related, that has the most sentimental value?
1: Probably my um, my Fender Mustang bass, which I it's my dad's, but I basically had it my entire life it's short short scale bass mm-hmm. so like when I was a kid I, I could play bass without like right. reaching my arms way big and I've got a, a guild and I've got two Gretches too I've got a Malcolm Young Gretch. oh that's cool and then my dad gave all four of us uh, it's at like a $300 guitar but for Christmas I've got six guitars that I really like <laughs> I can right. squeeze those yeah <laughs> I don't know that I would I mean you said my family's safe yes and I'm not gonna get died coming back in the house no okay I could probably grab those six guitars, <laughs> but I'll give you—you you got one trip. You
0: got time for one trip in and out. Um, question two is: If I was at liberty to give you a check for a million dollars to then give to one charity, which charity would you support?
1: Mm, probably homeless children. Okay, it's my wife was part of a, a, a board of this called Club Blue in Rockford. and I didn't realize how many children are actually homeless uh-huh. or just even starving. Right in just in my hometown alone. And think about that; they're kids. Like yeah, now somebody should take care of. It's not they're 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 not lazy. They're not not working. It's their children. You know how many kids go to school that don't you know are unbathed and yeah unfed? And how are you supposed to study when you, you can't even think?
0: No, you hear, you hear that
1: debate a lot, especially
0: with school lunches. Like, why are we paying for school lunches? Like, well, this is sometimes this is the only meal the kids get. Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah, yeah here you they're also feeding them garbage. Yeah. But I, uh,
0: <laughs> I guess I, I hear you, and that's a good one. Uh, question three: What would your walk-up music be to the
1: Pearly Gates? Ooh, ACDC. It's a long way to the top. If you want to rock, oh, that's a good one.
0: That's a good one. That's what, I just bagpipes walking into heaven. Come on, <laughs> that's great. We I, I haven't, <laughs> haven't heard that. We haven't had that one before, and that's that's one of the best.
1: It's that's the lyrics to that song and the whole thing. It's like it's the truest song it's, ever. It's so funny in a show like this. Yeah, it's all about getting screwed over because <laughs> <laughs> Hotel Motel makes you want to cry. You know, like. <laughs> yeah
0: uh, the reverse of that is what's stuck on repeating hell oh
1: I shouldn't say that because I might work for these, these people someday I don't know you can make them better anything by um, who do I hate <laughs> like here's, a, here's, uh, a, here's a bridge burning down yeah if I wasn't on oh man I'm on, I pretty much can't stand I can't think of it right now there's a band I can't stand it's them who is it man <laughs> That's how much I just don't like this band. I can't even think of their
0: name right now. Uh, well, uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, last question is, uh, best live concert you've experienced as a fan?
1: I was smoking marijuana at the time. This is years ago, but I saw a band called Blue Floyd. It was um, Government Mule.
0: Oh, right, 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 right.
1: With a couple of the Allman Brothers guys and... Um, Hard to believe you're smoking pot at the show Mark Ford used to be <laughs> in the Black Crows playing guitar and, and it was a f- four and a half hour show and they just played all Pink Floyd songs but in the blues form wow with ex- and like you know giant guitar solos it was yeah. Warren Haynes and Mark Ford and like it was like life changing because it was cool. it was Pink Floyd you knew every song but yeah, they yeah. played it completely differently with the greatest players out there you know Mad Apps on drums who's my top five drummers where was this at? Possibly Chicago. Okay, and we had a we had an opera box, and I mean everybody, you weren't going to get in trouble. This is before weed was legal or whatever you call it. I've never been a pothead ever. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't like being high, but that night, was like, hey well, let's do this. And, it sounds like I called for it. Yeah, that <laughs> that, prerequisite. that was pretty great. And Paul McCartney in 2006 and at the Staples Center in LA. I get that. A lot. I had never seen him, and that was, I mean, that's 13 years ago now. So he was still in top form not 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 that he's not but yeah, like, yeah. I'd never seen him before and that was like holy it was have you ever met a dream come true have Uh more ringo I've never met either of them but I was working at center staging getting a, a room ready and I went to walk out and the sun's I opened the door all the the rooms all open up into the parking lot or to the alleyways and I like went to step out and I heard it I saw a car coming and, like waved him on it was this blue corvette and Sure enough, Paul McCartney, you know, gives me the old, you know, touches his nose and gives me the, the the, hey, Paul, and I, like literally my hand was in my pocket calling my parents before he even like pulled away. I'm like, Paul McCartney just pointed at me. That's so sad. Is it true that your dad was with John? Yeah, Lennon? I was just, my dad was recording with John Lennon the day I was born. Oh. I was the only kid that my dad wasn't there for the birth. So, August 12th, was, that 12, August 12, yeah, what was that? yeah, he and Bunny did two songs on that. And are they credited on the, the top They re-released words? it No because Long story, From what I'm told Long story short Is that Yoko said That those two Sounded too much different Sounded too different Than the rest of the album So they brought in The, the studio guys That did the okay. album Back in to do these two songs It was like Way rock More rockin Or whatever The sound was definitely different Yeah yeah And so uh-huh. it kind of it's kind of stuck out didn't make sense, I guess. But then they they re-released it in the nineties, maybe early two thousands, and those tracks are on there. Oh, cool! I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, and yeah, they did a video for it. I'm losing you with Bunny and Rick and um, the bass player Tony Tony Levens. Okay. That's so yeah, they, had, they flew. They were on tour and they had a couple of days off, and they flew to New York City. and Recorded with John Lennon. and John Lennon smoked a cigar to my birth. Apparently, this is, <laughs> all this is hearsay. You know, you got to have that in your dad's collection. You got to have the stub. Yeah, where is it? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's not a bad thing. Like, I can't imagine not being there for my children's birth. But if my idol and okay. the world's idol <laughs> said, "Hey, you want to come work with me?" And, but you're gonna have to miss your child's birth. I think I, I think I'd say, <laughs> "Okay, honey, you know what I got to do." And <laughs> I'm not crazy. mad at him. That's why you hired me. In the Did band. you ever
0: have? Uh, was there ever any, with the, your two children's birth, was there ever any, like, you better not go early, I'm going to be, you
1: know, Yeah, and sure actually, any- uh, both, both children, I almost missed my one, my first son's birth, I thought. His, his due date was May 7th, we had a gig in Cleveland on May 6th. It was, right, it was right after the Hall of Fame, which was hilarious, like, hey, the Hall of Fame needs, they want Cheap Trick to play in Cleveland on May 6th, I'm like... My son's due May 7th, so I like... The bunny you got one more in you? Basically, I said, like, if I get a phone call mid-set, I'm jumping off stage and getting... I'm hiring a private jet. Like, I don't care what it costs. I'm not going to miss this. It, it, he was a week late. Okay. We didn't, we didn't yeah, do... Yeah, the first
0: some. one. That's what, like ours.
1: And then our other son came a week early, so, like, I didn't have to cancel anything. I actually subbed a couple things out, but not necessarily. Who takes that gig? I hired... Um, Sean Pelton in New York oh, yeah. City oh, yeah. it was three songs with was an iHeartRadio thing that in hindsight I, I could have been there for but it was three songs it was like, Cheap Trick. It was like six bands yeah Cheap Trick did three songs and like if I miss my birth yeah, it was say, this not worth the- and then uh, Robin's son filled in for me for my second son's birth He's, like me, a multi-instrumentalist. Now he actually is in the band, on stage with us, permanently.
0: Oh, get out of here. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, he sings great and plays great guitar. So, like, he, like me, knows every song in and out. So, like... I know it's not it seems like a family band but who who's better to do it than the guys that know every song and play like your dad and sing like your dad yeah. you know I don't know if you've had any haters that you know that cry
0: nepotism but I think I think most fans like
1: yeah like the DNA there's something about it yeah I mean I think 10 years ago when I started it was even then internet was different and like I if you're gonna read the good reviews you gotta read the bad ones too because so I just right. don't read any of them and At first, people were like, you know, Bunny or nothing and blah, blah, blah. This guy sucks. It's Rick's kid. But then you start realizing, like, we were playing longer sets and changing. then playing songs they've never played live. And fast forward now, three albums that I think are all pretty darn good. You know, people have opinions about everything. Yeah. And And now they have a place to put them. (laughs) Yeah. Only thing that really I've told people is, you know... I can go on right now and go on somebody's website or Instagram page and tell them they're a piece of garbage and you suck and then close my phone and be like, so anyways, and go on with my day and like, that just ruined that person's day. But for me, it took 10 seconds and my opinion's out there, you know? It's like, yeah, you start to realize like these people don't, they matter, but they, their opinion doesn't matter. And the only, you know, the band, is all that matters. They like me and I'm doing the job they hired me to play. You can't really believe. People's opinions. Everybody has opinions.
0: No, you can't. And you can't right win. or wrong, can't can't win.
1: No, you really can't. But well, Das yes, fucking pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having me. Thank Glad you for we're doing, doing this. Get to play NASCAR event in about two hours in yeah. ninety-five degree heat. Bradley, uh, wear, a, wear some breathable uh, <laughs> <laughs> wear some breathable underwear. There's nothing you can do to, to prepare yourself for that kind of weather.
0: All right. It was a big thrill to talk to Dax. A huge thank you to him for accommodating me. He has popped up so many times in Instagrams of some of our previous guests, so I was eager to pursue him for the show, and thankfully it worked out. You can follow Dax on Facebook, Instagram, and hire him to play drums for your project on his website, DaxNielsen.com. Dax and Cheap Trick do not take summers off, so you can find them this year playing with ZZ Top, so be sure to catch them while you can. Okay, it's on to pushing the Rockonomics agenda. For news, photos, and updates, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're feeling charitable, wander over to the Apple Podcast and give us a rating and review. Summer concert season is here, so we will be on hiatus again while we harass many of your favorite artists to come on the show. So, no new episode next week. We'll be back in action as soon as we can, so check in with our social media feeds to stay informed. All right, episode 57 is in the rearview mirror. Good night, Cleveland.